You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Uh, But let's kind of set the stage for where we're going into. Uh, Today is an amazing day. Have you considered that of the nearly 8 billion people on the earth, the vast majority worldwide are preparing for tonight? Are preparing for this day where we celebrate the birth of Christ? How do you explain that? How do we... How does that happen? Here we are 2,000 years later, and we are gathered together. We put nice clothes on. We prepared. We've decorated our houses for this poor family's child who grew up to be a day laborer, who somehow, who even though he had no political office, even though he had uh, no wealth, no, uh, nothing to propel him into fame, this one man has changed the world. All of human history points either to him or away from him. When you write on your uh, date, on your check, or on, do you still write checks? I don't even know. Uh, but we write 2022. 2022 what? Years from the birth of this Messiah King. He is amazing. His name is Jesus. And he changed the world. He is God in the flesh. The long promised Messiah. And uh, we are in a series titled The Omnipotent King and His Kingdom Eternal. And uh, we have been looking at the majesty of this King. And he is a king like no other. And think of it, uh, as we celebrate this Christmas season, even if you are not a believer, you still put lights on your house because Jesus was the light of the world. And the world still, even though uh, they may not know why they're doing what they're doing, there is still more, more generosity at this time of year, on this day, than any other time. More gifts given. More benevolence given, more good deeds done around the world on this day than any other time in the, in the whole year. And it's been that way for the last 2,000 years. How do you explain that? Well, the Bible explains it because Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, God in the flesh, who was promised from the beginning of time. And from the beginning of time, God spoke to us, to people, through the prophets. And he spoke to them about this coming Messiah. There is a reason the whole world pauses and stops. Because God, from the beginning of time, spoke through the prophets to us about this Messiah. All the way back even in the days of the Garden of Eden, at the beginning of time, there was a prophet. His name was Enoch, and he prophesied about this Messiah who was going to come, who was going to be the savior of the world, and who was going to be the final king on the earth. And through these prophets, God revealed his heart and his values and his laws and his character and his nature. And God continued to send prophets all through human history. But their chief message throughout all of the ages was that there was a Messiah who would come to redeem us. And that is why we've gathered. That is why we celebrate. And that is why the world, either knowing or unknowingly, uh, sets this time aside as sacred and special. And uh, just amazing to consider. Uh, This Savior would come to free us from our sins and to uh, bring life uh, to our spiritually dead souls. And uh, what an amazing uh, work he wants to do in our lives. Something very interesting, uh, through all this time where God was sending prophets through every 
age, sending prophets to proclaim that the Messiah would come. Their instructions and their details got more specific. Uh, There were over 300 prophecies fulfilled by Jesus' first coming. And as these prophecies got more and more specific, uh, we we knew what to be looking for. We're going to look at some of that tonight. Uh, But what's interesting is 400 years before Jesus came, God quit speaking through the prophets. No more prophets. No more messages. No more prophecies. And no one knew why. God quit speaking and it caused God's people, the nation Israel and all the, those who believed in God, to do something. To start studying what God had said previously. And uh, reviewing all the previous prophecies. And so Israel and all the world looked back into the, uh, the scriptures that God had given through the prophets. And they started looking at these prophecies. And then after 400 years of silence, God broke the silence and he sends an angel. His angel Gabriel. To a man named Zacharias. Zacharias was a priest. And he was there serving in the temple. And there this angel comes. And breaks this silence from God. And he tells Zacharias. You're going to have a son. His name will be John. John the Baptist. And he will be. The forerunner. For the Messiah. Wow. Powerful message. Just amazing. That means that the Messiah is coming now. And Zacharias was blown away. But he thought because of his age. He doubted that this could come true. For you see. Zacharias was past the age of having children. And his wife uh, Elizabeth was past the age of childbearing. And uh, furthermore, they were barren their entire marriage. And God often chooses the very least and the very weakest to do his greatest work. Because then it is clearly revealed that it is all his doing and not our doing. And Zacharias begins to doubt there as an angel is speaking to him. He begins to doubt. And the angel tells him, because of your unbelief, You will be mute and not able to speak. And so right then, uh, he is mute. And he comes out of the temple. And everybody looks at him and says, man, why were you in there so long? His job that day was to burn incense at the entrance of the temple. Prayers to God. And he took a long time. And when he came out, everyone could tell, wow, something happened. And they say, Zacharias, what happened? And he couldn't speak. So he motions, I saw an angel, right? Uh, I saw an angel. And he gets a pen and he starts writing and communicating. Hey, the Messiah's coming. The Messiah's coming. And oh my gosh, the story spread like wildfire. Uh, Suddenly, uh, Zacharias is mute and everybody's talking. Hey, did you hear? 400 years of silence. It's over. God spoke. Really? Yeah. What did he say? You're not going to believe it. You know old Zacharias and old Elizabeth? Yeah, I know they're old, but she's going to get pregnant. No way. No way. I know. Right? It was like a Seinfeld. (laughs) And God knows how to use social media to communicate his message. And Zacharias and Elizabeth became the talk of the town and everybody was watching I don't think it's going to happen and sure enough Elizabeth gets pregnant the message is real God chooses a barren old woman to bring the forerunner for the Messiah who was prophesied uh, from the beginning of time this forerunner was also prophesied and now we know his name is going to be John and Elizabeth gets pregnant and all Israel is talking. Hey, did you hear? I know. Crazy. The Messiah is coming. 
And this forerunner was to preach the message that the Messiah is coming and God started preaching through him even when he was in the womb from all the talk of the, of the town. And suddenly everyone now is talking uh, about this coming Messiah and going to the temple to see uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And uh, God's message to Zacharias uh, and to all of Israel is that the Messiah is coming. Uh, and uh, uh, your son... Uh, that Elizabeth is pregnant with is going to be the forerunner of this Messiah. So we're going to pick up in our text right there. If you will, jump into Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to pick it up in verse 57. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Do you have your Bibles open? Let me pray as we jump into the word. Uh, Lord, we are in awe of your plan of salvation prepared from the beginning of time. Lord, your patience is on just amazing. And you spoke through your prophets and you revealed to us, Lord, so that we would be ready, that we would know the majesty and the splendor of what you were doing and the incredible cost that you paid to purchase our redemption. Lord, as we study these things, Lord, guide us with your spirit to speak to our hearts and to help us understand the depth of your love for us. For Lord, we have gathered today to worship you. So Lord, reveal yourself to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. Imagine this old woman. I mean, just amazing. And she brings forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard... How the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. It was the talk of the town. Uh, everyone knew, like, oh, this old woman bore a son, and he is the forerunner of the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. Verse 59. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. That was what was commanded in the scriptures, that the child would be circumcised, uh, boys would be circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, that they would have called his name of, of his father, Zacharias. Uh, that was the custom in that time. Uh, you would name your firstborn son after the, the father's name. And uh, so they were going to call his name Zacharias. Verse 60. But his mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. Uh, why didn't his father answer? He can't speak, right? Uh, uh, sometimes when God s slows you down, uh, it's good to just listen to what God is trying to share, share to us, right? Uh, so he can't speak. So they ask, they ask mom, right? And, and uh, look what she says. Uh, verse 60, his mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name, John. And where'd you get that name? Uh, so they made signs to the father what he would, what he would be called. Uh, why are they signing to the father? But he can hear. <laughs> Isn't it weird how we do that? My wife had uh, uh, lost her voice for like five or six days. Like never happened that she's lost it that long before. And... Uh, it was interesting, and I found myself sometimes when I'd talk to her, I'd start whispering to her. Like, why am I whispering? You can hear just fine. Uh, and they do it also, right? They do that. They say, John, I've heard said John. Uh, and he's like, I can hear, right? Uh, by the way, uh, how many of you have Alexa at home? Uh, we discovered when my wife couldn't speak, if you talk to Alexa in a whisper, she talks back to you like this. She was. <laughs> So she's got the same disease we all have. Like, uh, uh, anyway, uh, they, they, they make motions to Zacharias, which is really funny if you think about it. Verse 63. Uh, and he asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote saying, his name is John. We're obeying what God said. One of the smartest things that we can do is simply obey God's word, whether we understand why or not. Uh, in hindsight, we will always see the wisdom in it, and we will always be thankful. I look at things that uh, uh, I have not done this on, 
And I learn the hard way that, oh man, I wish I would have listened to God. And I look at things where I have done this on, when I obeyed, when I fully didn't fully understand why. And I look back and I go, wow, that was wisdom. I'm so glad I did that. So glad I followed God. And here, uh, uh, John, excuse me, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they don't give in to peer pressure. They don't give in to the opinions of the world. Uh, they say, no, 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 no. We're going to do what God commanded us. And they name him John. And so he writes it down. Verse 68, excuse me, 64. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was loose and he spoke. And what did he speak? Praising God. Then fear or awe came on all who dwelt around them. You see, Zacharias was a witness. He was preaching his loudest sermon when he couldn't speak. Uh, all the world was watching and now he obeys God and God opens his mouth and all the world is going, oh my gosh, God is moving amongst us, right? Uh, uh, God is, is speaking to us. Uh, awe came all those around them and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. Uh, yeah, social media is a buzz. Everyone is talking. The Messiah is coming. The forerunner has been born. Uh, at the same time, by the way, God was doing a work uh, in a young couple named Joseph and Mary. Uh, uh, she gets pregnant six months behind uh, here when, when uh, John the Baptist was born. Uh, verse 66. And all those who heard them kept... Uh, uh, kept them in their hearts, saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. That was with John. Uh, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. Here, the first prophecy in 400 years is spoken. And pay attention. It is a marvelous prophecy about Jesus. Look what he says. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he, that's the Lord God of Israel, has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Uh, a horn of salvation, what does that mean? Horns were a symbol of power in the Bible. Uh, there were the horns on the altar. It was a symbol of the altar's power. And here he says that God has visited us and raised up the power of salvation. He's speaking about Jesus. He's speaking about the Messiah. He's not speaking about his son, John. He's speaking about the Messiah. And look what he says. He has raised up the horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Uh, we know that he's speaking about Jesus because uh, John the Baptist was not from that lineage of David. He was a Levite. He was from the lineage of Levi. So the house of the servant David is the lineage of the Messiah. Uh, uh, that's who he is speaking of. Look at verse 70. And he, spoke, uh, he, he did this as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began. What did uh, Zacharias just prophesy? The Messiah is at hand. The Messiah is going to be born. Mary is already pregnant with him. He's coming to the earth and he is the power of salvation. And this is the message that was spoken from the beginning of time by the mouth of all the prophets. The time has now come. Wow. Look at verse 71. Uh, he's going to give us here four uh, promises or four ministries of this Messiah, uh, four works of this Messiah of what he will do in our lives. The first one is found in verse 71, uh, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Uh, uh, that we would be saved um, uh, from our enemies. What are our enemies? Let me hear from you. What are our enemies? Who are your enemies? Fear is an enemy. I'm hearing Satan. Satan is an enemy. Uh, what else? Anxiety is an enemy. What else? Death is an enemy. Uh, what else? 
We're leaving off a giant one. Sin. Our sin is our biggest enemy. Our sin that deceives us, that says, hey, oh, do this. This would be really fun. Our sin that says, be unfaithful to your spouse. That would be really fun. Uh, go and take that drink. That would be really fun. Take this drug. That would... Oh, we have these enemies that are against us. And the biggest enemy that against us is our sin, our selfishness, our pride, our greed, our loneliness, our addictions, our lusts, our broken world that is full of lies and deceptions and evils. There are a lot of enemies that we are that are against us. And they produce things in our life that are very difficult. They produce broken hearts. They produce broken lives. They produce broken relationships. And all of these things are working against us. And here, this first promise that Zechariah proclaims that the Messiah will do is that he will save us from all of these things. What an incredible promise. And this is the gift. It comes to us freely. We wonder, why do we give gifts to everyone at Christmas? Well, it's because we've received the biggest gift that was ever given. And we emulate him then, and we are generous, and we give to others. Uh, all of the, the, the uh, tokens of Christmas are all reflective of what Jesus has done for us. He gives us the gift of salvation. He is the light of the world. Uh, he is uh, uh, pouring so much into us, and as we receive from him, we give to others. So this is the first promise. Uh, this Messiah is going to come. He is the one spoken of since the world began by all of the prophets, and what he's going to do is he's going to save us from all our enemies, all the things that are against us. Look at the second thing he mentions, verse 72. To perform the mercy which God promised to our fathers. Uh, he's going to be merciful to us. And the Messiah, Jesus, he was so incredibly merciful. You look at his ministry, you look at his words, and he was just full of mercy. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come and to bring justice on the earth? If he would have brought justice, what would have happened to all of us? We'd be toast. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have lied. The most important commandment in the Bible is that you would have no other gods before me. That you would put God first in your life each and every day. You ever break that commandment? You want justice? I didn't think so. And here he says, when the Messiah comes, he will be merciful. And oh, how merciful he was. To the woman caught in the act of adultery with all the religious leaders ready to accuse her, ready to blame her, ready just pointing fingers at her. This woman right here was caught in the very act. And they had stones in, her, in their hand to judge her. And Jesus writes on the ground. And each one of her accusers starts leaving one by one in order. And there with fear on her face, worried about uh, just being executed right there, one by one, her accusers leave. Jesus still has never spoken one word to the woman. He writes one more thing on the ground, and the last accuser leaves. And then Jesus looks up at the woman, and he speaks his first words to her. And do you know what they were? Woman, where are your accusers? And she looks, and she finds to her surprise... I have none, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. Oh, how merciful. Oh, how merciful his words. And this is what Jesus does in our life. He takes all of the things that are pointing at you. You're a failure. You blew it. You deserve bad things. You deserve judgment. And he takes them all away. He comes to save us from our sins. And he comes to be merciful to us. What a God. What a Savior. Uh, the third thing he brings us. Uh, uh, verse 72. To perform mercy which God promised to our fathers. 
and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Here we see the Messiah is going to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. That this promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12, that through you, Abraham, this Messiah will come, through this Jewish nation, the Messiah would come, and through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That covenant contains many other promises, by the way, uh, that are very applicable to today. Uh, The very fact that Israel is still a nation today after 4,000 years of history is a proof that Jesus is still fulfilling that Abrahamic covenant and uh, that God is working uh, in, in our world today. He says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to perform uh, and remember all of my promises that I made to Abraham. And then look at this, uh, this next part, verse 73, excuse me, 74. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. What an amazing promise. Did you catch it? Did you see it? That Jesus, this Messiah, might present us before God, holy and righteous and perfect and without sin. Oh my gosh, that is the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. And that is what Christmas is all about. This is why Jesus came, uh, to make us holy and right, to take away our sins uh, so that we can, uh, look how he says it, that we might serve him in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, uh, for all eternity. What an incredible promise from the Messiah. And here, uh, the the prophets are now speaking, first time in 400 years, and here we get these four promises of what Jesus will bring into our lives. Uh, Now, uh, Zacharias is going to speak about his son. And you, child, uh, speaking of the child that was just born, this this eight-day-old baby that's right in front of him getting circumcised. And you, child, will be called prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Did you see this? Uh, You're going to be called the prophet of the highest. You're going to be the one who goes before God in the flesh. He says, you're going to go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. This is why Jesus was born, to be able to purchase our salvation, our redemption, And uh, John is going to be the one proclaiming this message. Uh, And look at verse uh, 78. Through the tender mercy of our God, which the day spring from on high has visited us. Uh, The day spring from on high is a, uh, a, another name for the Messiah. It was a, 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 a messianic term that was uh, used by the prophets, and, and he brings it up. He, it, it's referring to Jesus. Uh, it's re- referring to, to God visiting us. And, and here's why he calls him the, the day spring or the morning sun from on high. Uh, look what he says, uh, to give light to those who sit in darkness and to give light to those who are in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Uh, maybe you are here. Uh, this afternoon, and it is a dark time for you. I was speaking with an individual yesterday who said, I want to end my life sitting in darkness. And he, notice what Jesus says uh, to those who are hurting, to those who are sitting in darkness, to those who can't figure out uh, uh, why I am so depressed, why I'm so discouraged, why my life isn't working. Here's what he came to do. He came to bring light, divine light, to give light to those who sit in darkness, to give light to those who are in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. I want you to know uh, coming to Jesus is not magic. Coming to Jesus is not a, uh, if I can even say this, is not a spiritual experience. Oh, it is spiritual. Don't get me wrong. 
but we sometimes associate it with as if it's magic. It's not. Here's what happens when we come to Jesus, when we make him our Lord, when we say, God, I believe that you love me that much, that you became a man to purchase my redemption. And God, if you love me that much, I want to know you. I want to know your ways. Here's what happens. God then begins to illuminate our eyes, illuminate our path, give us understanding to walk in the right steps in life, that our relationships would be healed, that we would learn not how to not be so selfish, that we would learn not just to speak every word on our tongue to thrash other people because we were angry. We would learn how to not be controlled by our flesh, but to be led by God's word and by God's spirit. And that brings abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Walking with Jesus, learning his ways. Jesus would say it this way. Take on my ways and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you do that, you will find rest for your souls. This is why he came. This is what he brings. And it is amazing to begin to walk in this relationship with him. Look at verse uh, how this chapter ends. So the child grew, that's John the Baptist, and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his manifestation to Israel. He was waiting for the time to say where God would tell him, John, it's time. Preach. The Messiah is beginning his ministry. And John did. Now we move to the birth of Jesus. Uh, again, they're six months apart. Uh, so right now, uh, when John is born, Mary is six months pregnant. Excuse me, three months pregnant. Um, uh, chapter two. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing in Syria. And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Uh, it is interesting. Uh, I, I find uh, it so amazing uh, how accurate the Bible is archaeologically. Uh, the historical accuracy of the Bible is unparalleled. Every archaeologist whether they are a believer in God or an atheist, guess, guess what they carry in their back pocket? A Bible. Because it is the most, the best guide that we have to archaeology. And uh, the historical evidence is just amazing. Here Luke, a doctor, a physician, writing with precise historical detail about the life of Jesus. Here he introduces us to a few people. One of them is Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was a, uh, a leader in Rome, an emperor, uh, and he reigned from 62, excuse me, from 27 BC to 14 AD. Put that picture up, if you will, for me. He lived from 62 BC to 14 AD, but he reigned in Rome uh, from 27 BC to 14 AD. And God used him powerfully. He was not a believer, but God still used him powerfully. For you history buffs, you know what Caesar Augustus brought to the world. What did he bring? Any history buffs? He brought Pax Roma, which means what? Roman peace, which means the peace of the world. You see, for the last 200 years before Caesar Augustus, all the world was always uh, in turmoil. There were wars all over the place, and there were raiders uh, that would come in and, and uh, you know, just break into your house and steal your crops, and you'd work forever on your crops. And, and now it was finally harvest time, and they would come in and just just loot you. And uh, Caesar Augustus brings Pax Romana, brings, brings peace. And uh, here we see these are historical people. We can look and we can see. Uh, I have a coin of Caesar Augustus. That's a, a statue of him, by the way. Uh, here is a Roman silver denarius. And there is his image right there on it. These are archaeological facts. And Caesar Augustus ordered a census that everyone had to be registered in their own towns. 
Uh, why? For taxes, of course. And uh, it tells us now, not only of Caesar Augustus, but in another individual, uh, it tells us that this is when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, uh, was ruling. And here, what do we find? We find that uh, archaeology confirms all this. Here's a, a bust of uh, Publius Quirinius, and there are his coins. Uh, and he uh, lived from 51 BC to AD 21. And all that to say, uh, the Bible is incredibly accurate archaeologically. Nothing about this is allegory. Nothing about this is folklore. These are literal events that happen in history. Jesus is real. And he changed all of human history, changed our calendars. He is the Messiah, the one that is promised from the beginning of time, uh, the savior of the world. And uh, God used this pagan king uh, uh, to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, uh, just so they could go to this town where they were registered. Uh, why? Why? Why would God do that? Uh, well, because it was prophesied. Uh, God gave specific details. As I said earlier, over 300 prophecies of the Messiah fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. Uh, by the way, even more prophecies about his second coming. And uh, the stage is being set, and they are being... Uh, every, the, the, the pump is being primed and uh, we are moving into a day where his return is very much at hand. Uh, but let me give you one of these prophecies that came 700 years before Jesus about him being born in Bethlehem, uh, which is why uh, uh, Augustus gave that decree. Uh, this is Micah 5.2 on your screens. Let me hear you read this church in a, in a loud voice. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah... Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Uh, this prophecy tells us a couple of things. It tells us, number one, that Bethlehem was a dumpy little town. Uh, even though you are the poorest little town of all, uh, I've chosen you, and out of you is going to come the ruler, the Messiah in Israel. And it tells us something about the Messiah in Israel. What does it tell us? That his going forth is from old, even from, or in other words, that the Messiah is the eternal God. Uh, Jesus is God in the flesh. And so incredible, the historical accuracy, just unparalleled. Uh, and here he, he, Luke records all this, right? Um, verse 4. So Joseph also went up from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. That's his hometown. And so he goes back there because uh, Caesar Augustus ordered this and uh, now he's there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife of whom uh, was with child and so it was while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Uh, here it is, the birth of Jesus, the reason why we're gathered today. And he's there in Bethlehem and there he comes. Uh, I want you to think about this story uh, think about how difficult that journey must have been for Joseph and Mary. Uh, forced to move from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's a 70-mile journey at nine months pregnant. Imagine how difficult that would be. I wanted to get a donkey for us today, but I couldn't find one. But, but imagine riding from 70 miles on a donkey nine months pregnant. And there on the journey, guess what happens? She goes in to labor upon arrival. Uh, oh, how difficult. Uh, and uh, this 70-mile difficult journey, nine months pregnant, she goes into labor and there's no hospital. There's no facilities. There's no midwife. And it's curious, is it not? If it is Joseph's hometown, if it is his town of, of origin, why were there no relatives to take them into their house? Why? Can I present to you a possible reason? 
Could it be because they viewed them as having a child, what, out of wedlock? And they were shunned? And this is what I mean by coming to Christ does not make life magic. God doesn't just fix all our problems. But God does work in our lives. And here in this difficulty, uh, 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 God is, here the Messiah is born. Uh, you consider this, no room for them in the end and born in a manger. A manger is a nice fancy word for an animal feeding trough. You probably have a note in your Bible that says feeding trough where the word manger is. It was a feeding trough. When you leave today, I want you to look at that goat, and I want you to look at the little food that we're giving him on the ground, and I already saw it. There's a ton of slobber all over the ground where we gave him the food. That, my friends, is a feeding trough where the Messiah was born. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, God in the flesh, born in a poor, dumpy town, and born in a feeding trough. And what I would like us to see and to grasp and to understand is who God is. You see, the humility of our God is astonishing. He humbles himself to become a man, and not just a man, but a child, and then makes himself available to all at a, a, a dumpy town where even the poor can come and worship him, where all can come to him, uh, it is astonishing. It is astonishing. astonishing. And what God is doing is showing us his character and his values. God is selfless, and his kingdom is selfless. And he's incredibly generous, and he gives generously, and he calls us to receive all of his rich blessings and to walk in his ways and to emulate him. Do you know one reason uh, so many people have a hard time believing in God? I believe that one of the biggest stumbles, uh, stumbling blocks, one of the biggest problems we have in believing God, in God is God is so unlike us. And by that I mean God is humble. And we are just, we are just not. Uh, we are so proud uh, most people go, go through life trying to make themselves look better than they actually are. And if you've ever met someone who, uh, when you met them, they just told you how amazing they are. Uh, oh, nice to meet you. Uh, did I tell you uh, I made, I made, I'm a millionaire. Did I tell you I was a millionaire at 19? Oh, yeah, you know, business just comes easy for me, and, you know, money's like no problem. I just, I just make tons of money. I'm, I'm a, I was a prodigy, did I tell you? Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was in Dubai last week, and uh, I'm going to Morocco for my birthday. And You ever met anybody like that? Uh, do you enjoy it? Um, I want us to see something here. God is not like that. And one of the reasons that we have a hard time believing in him is because he is so incredibly humble. We want him to reveal his power and show us, and, and he's just humble. And yet his power and his glory is revealed every day. The heavens declare the glory of God. The universe shows his handiwork. Every night the stars are speaking. Every morning the sunrise declares. You can see it whenever you look. His glory is revealed everywhere. It is revealed in a mountain range. It is revealed on snow-capped mountains. It is revealed in a beautiful green meadow. It is revealed in uh, watching dolphin jump in the ocean. It is revealed in a baby's face. It is revealed in a DNA strand. It is revealed everywhere. And yet God is so humble. He does not force himself upon us you have a choice today to worship him this creator who made you who became a man to redeem you who gave you every good gifts do you know that god gives you every you and i good gifts every single day and the majority of them we don't even acknowledge his good hand giving them to us 
The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. God gives the wicked farmer rain and God gives the good farmer rain. God gives the wicked farmer sunshine. He gives the good farmer sunshine. Uh, He's just a good God. His hope is that one day we will come to our senses and realize his glory and worship him. And here we see how far he will go. Uh, He goes so far to reveal... uh, uh, to meet us where we are and to, and to, uh, to bring his love to us. Uh, and it's just astonishing to consider. The Messiah in a manger, in a feeding trough, ponder it. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke the universe into existence in a slobber-covered animal trough. The King of kings and the Lord of lords Uh, The last thing I would like to give you is this. Jesus stoops very low to meet us where we are. And the reason he does it is because he wants us to come to him just as we are. We have this mindset that we have to clean ourselves up to come to Jesus. That we have to become religious people or or do something because we know how guilty we are. And the whole message of the birth of the Messiah is, you could not be more wrong. I've come to the dumpiest part of town. I've come and born in a manger so that no matter how messed up you are, you can come to me. I want you to know you are not too sinful to come to Jesus. This is why he came. And it's in coming to him that our life begins to transform. We don't transform our life and then come to him. We are not too sinful to come to Christ, but you know what we might be? We might be too proud to come to Christ. And that is by far the biggest problem. And so when we humble ourselves before him, we begin to emulate his ways. We begin to understand his person and what he values. And he wants us to come to him just as he is. Uh, The Bible tells us very clearly that if we would confess our sins, he'd be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's what Christmas is all about. And to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so this Christmas, may we bring him, may we do what the Bible says, that may we call upon the Lord and may we receive his good gifts towards us. Uh, Just incredible to ponder all that God has done to purchase our redemption. I'm going to ask Kyle and the team, the worship team, to come up. And I want now uh, to be able to celebrate and to ponder in our hearts all that Jesus has done to bring this light into the world, to save us from our sin, to bring the light of how to have a meaningful life and how to have a good marriage and how to have, raise a good family and how to be a great leader at work and, and all these things, that he, how to walk with God, how to know him. That is why Jesus came. And he came humbly to meet us where we are, that we might come to him as we are and take on his ways and learn of him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And all who come to me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Go ahead and kill the house lights for me, if you will. I guess we can't turn off these Christmas trees, can we? Or maybe we can. I love this part of the service. I love this tradition. Because it so beautifully reflects what Jesus came to do. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And oh, does it pine. It tells us we're messed up. It tells us you blew it again. You're not worth anything. It tells us you're a failure. You'll always be a failure. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. When Jesus came and was born in a manger, God revealed to all of mankind just how valuable you are to God. 
that you were created to know God and that God would do anything to make that possible. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he comes to bring light into our path. When we walk in darkness, we don't even know what makes us stumble. And we'll stumble on the same things over and over again. But when light comes into our life, we're able to see what we couldn't see before. That we might have life and life abundant. What a God. What a Savior. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that comes to me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And after his disciples had spent a few years with him, he told them, now you are the light of the world. Go and shine this light to the rest of the world. He says, when you light a light, you don't put it under a bed. You put it on a lampstand that it might give light to all that are in the house. And that is God's desire. That this light that you have would be used to help others walk in light. And in just a moment, the whole room will be full of light. We're living in a world that is full of darkness. And if we would stand as God's people and shine the light, that darkness would be eliminated. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In him was the light of light the light of man and the light shines in the darkness he came to bring light into our lives and into our world let us stand together and let us worship him you may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free to participate with us please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless. You may...